Good morning to you all. I'm Pastor Evan, and I am delighted to be here this morning. I hope you are too. Uh, RJ, I love the energy that you have brought this morning. May it be infectious to the whole place. So, yeah. All right. We respond to God and God's word this morning. I'm going to invite us to our scripture reading this morning, which is Luke 10, verses 1 through 4. If you're using the Pew Bible, that's page 970-970. And if you don't have a Bible and you want to take that Pew Bible home with you, do it. It's our gift to you. We're glad we're here today. We value the Word of God. We value having a physical copy of the Word of God. Page 970, Luke 10, 1-4. It says this, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag, or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. We were getting a new sermon series this morning that takes us through our mission priorities as a church, Connect, Grow, Go, and just to remind us of kind of how we've come to those words and the process that's gotten us to this point, let me just refresh our memory over the past couple of years. We uh, sat down, many of us within the congregation called this church home, and we uh, worked through what are our gifts that God has given us, what are the passions uh, within the last couple of years. And then we had a kind of a focus group to refine those a little further to some key words that would point us in the right direction. We, we exist as the church. Um, all churches that exist have the same mission uh, that we're supposed to make disciples, we're supposed to glorify God, essentially, and they're supposed to be maturity in the making of disciples and finding new people who are going to be disciples. That's what the church is supposed to do. Every church is supposed to do that. And we're specific, we're location uh, based as a church. We're a local community and outlet the church. And so we have a specific way we're going to live that out based on how God has gifted us. Well, we've also restructured our governance and how we do ministry and all that over the past few years. And so the leadership team and myself as part of that are uh, tasked with trying to constantly make sure that we're utilizing those gifts and abilities to the best of our ability and that our ministries are organized to work that out. And so in the process of, of living that out, after living pray, grow, go, so the three words we had, we really worked with this first term a little longer and decided to expand it just a little bit and want to live this out and believe this is where God's called us to live out for the next uh, number of years. That we as God's people exist for God's glory. The way we're going to do that, how we're going to prioritize our time and mission energy is to connect, grow, and go. To connect to God through, and you hear prayer to go away. You hear this? Connect to God through what? Prayer and worship. Both. To grow with the group and to go serve the church, our city, and beyond. And so this morning, I'm actually not really preaching on any one of those three. I'm kind of preaching on the last one going to the first one. Now, that'll make sense as we go along. But I, I, there are going to be three invitations from this point on in the service that you receive. Two in the sermon and one as we end the sermon. The first comes from Jesus, the second comes from me, and the third comes from Jesus. That's the right way to do it, I think. So, from Jesus, we get it from the text. We see the bounty that God has provided in the text, and Jesus invites us to the harvest. 
The second invitation I'll explain that comes from me as we go along is a challenge for us pertaining to the harvest that's out there. And the third is the invitation to the Lord's table. But behind all of this, we have to recognize that Jesus invites by nature. That's who Jesus is. Jesus invites people by nature. It's who Jesus is. And if we follow Jesus, it should be our nature as well. To invite people, particularly the kingdom of God. Let's look back at the text then, Luke 10, verse 2. We see the first red words, the first words of Jesus in the text. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. What's the harvest Jesus is talking about here? In its probably first and most basic sense, getting right to the text, Jesus, the Jewish, is talking to the Jewish crowd, the Jewish disciples, uh, speaking to the covenant people to go take the message out to other covenant people that the covenant is being fulfilled through Jesus. The Messiah is here, the kingdom is coming. That's, in its basic sense, what's happening. More broadly, and still within the scope of the text, is the message that those outside of the kingdom are being invited into kingdom life. Or if you want to put it in really simple terms, Jesus is saying, go find the lost. The lost can be found. So that's the harvest that Jesus is talking about. But now think of the more difficult question, and we're going to answer it a couple times. Why are the workers so few for this harvest? And we can give a number of answers. Jesus alludes to some answers, but never really addresses the question directly of why the workers are so few. But let's start with this one. There's a harvest. The workers might be so few because, frankly, it's going to take sacrifice and some sweat equity to harvest. It's going to take some work in order to go out and do what Jesus is calling the disciples of the 72 to do. But I want to look at the text and catch some surprisingly simple and good news that's right there buried in verse 2. And we shouldn't miss it. When Jesus says the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few, he doesn't go on to then say, I'm the tour guide telling you where the harvest is. Of course, he knows where the harvest is. That's not his next word. Jesus doesn't go on and say, I'm the expert who can tell you about the harvest. Jesus doesn't go on to say, I'm the guru who can tell you to be like the harvest or anything like this. What does he say? Jesus is what of the harvest? It's already mine, Jesus says. I own the field, I own the harvest. It's already mine out there. I'm sending you out, because I'm going to go out there too. You go out there and harvest. The harvest is plentiful. There's further good news in the text when we look at this. Because Jesus doesn't also tell us that we have to go out and till the ground and plant the seed and water the soil and weed and wait, and water, and weed, and wait, and water, and weed, and wait, and wait, and wait for the harvest. The work's already done. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest isn't coming, it's plentiful. Jesus owns the field, the planting has been done, it's ready for harvest, the workers are few is the problem. Why are the workers so few? Well, he said, Maybe the work is hard. We can also say the workers are few because 
Sometimes it's hard to take Jesus at his word and trust that the harvest is ready. Over the last couple of years, I've made the habit that sometimes I have something on my mind as so I'm praying for somebody, and uh, I'll send a text to them. Non-intrusive, but simple way to say, I'm praying for you. You're on my mind. Any specific way I can pray for you today. And I did that within the last couple of years to uh, somebody I'm connected with who's not a believer. Send them a text, you know, I'm praying for you. You're on my mind. Any specific way I can make prayer for you. And the response back, the response back was, wow, thank you. No one's ever said this to me before. I'm going to have to think about how you can pray for me. Now, that's not a moment of harvest, necessarily. But as we continue on in how we respond to Jesus, that the harvest is plentiful, and specifically the challenge I have to be to uh, towards the invitation, because that's uh, who Jesus is, that's who we should be. I want us to recognize that sometimes our default thinking and why it's hard to trust and take Jesus at his word that the harvest is plentiful is because we sometimes assume people are closed off to the things of God completely and totally if they're not following Jesus. But that's not the truth. The harvest is plentiful. That is, God's already at work out there, has already done a lot of work, and there are people who are ready and willing to engage the kingdom conversations that we can have. The workers are few. Do we take God as work as our work? So when we look at the text, we need to respond to Jesus. But sometimes when what Jesus says here is not actually what we hear. Because some of us, I think, want to be the people who till the soil and plant the seed and water. And of course, Paul even speaks about that. Jesus is negating that process. The person I texted, some tilling needs to be done there. That's, that's the way it is. That, that's not invalidating what Jesus is saying here. That's work that needs to be done. But, but I think the danger can be if Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, that is, there are plenty of people out there already ready and receptive to hear the good news and step towards the kingdom, some of us don't feel like that's our specific skill set, and so we think to ourselves, I'm pretty good at tilling or watering or planting. And somebody else is good at that other part, harvesting. But I don't think Jesus is necessarily saying that here. That that's somebody else's job. Saying the workers are few, and brothers and sisters, my fellow introverts, I believe we are the workers. We also often, uh, what Jesus says, we don't always hear quite so clearly sometimes, and I can be guilty of this quite regularly. Jesus doesn't say, pray for the harvest that there would be one. But I know I can get caught in that trap many times. Lord, I, I pray that there would be harvest. And we pray in various different ways that people would, would be ready for your word and all that. Jesus is saying they already are in many cases. The harvest is plentiful. There are people already ready. Jesus doesn't say pray that there would be a harvest. He says pray that there would be workers because the harvest is already ready. There are people there to be harvested. And so that gets us to the second invitation I want to give to you this morning, which is my Pastor Evans 2020 goal. I know we're two months in, uh, but we'll have to work faster, and I think we're up 
my 2020 goals are based on our mission priorities, which is I ask all of us, myself included, to invite people to kingdom life. So to go, like we say at the very end of our priorities, to go and invite people so that they could connect and grow. And then hopefully they'll that others we can and grow. And I want to count up our invitations this year because we count what we value. So we'll count average attendance within church life, not an insignificant number, but a surprisingly deceitful number in this day and age. Uh, we count what comes in the offering plate, we count what goes out. All things that are important that we need to do, but I want to count this thing and make it one of our highest priorities this year because we count what we value. I want to count our invitations. And so the challenge for all of us that I'm presenting to you this morning is can we invite 240 people to join us in worship, ministry, and or faith in Jesus Christ this year? Invitation to anything is what I'm actually talking about here. And when, when I say 240, let's talk about that before I talk about the anything part. How do I get to that number? We average about 120 people a week. Everybody invited two people to something. We've accomplished that. That's how I got to that number. It'd be great if we go beyond that. But that's at least how we got to a number as a target. When I say anything, and this just gives kind of milestone things we could invite people to, I'm talking, we're going to track invitations. We're not necessarily tracking people come, that's obviously the goal, but that may not happen. We're going to track invitations. And we're tracking things, it could be to worship. I talked to somebody just the other day, invite somebody to worship. I talked to a couple people who have done that recently. We do that in our family, invite people to worship. That might be it. Maybe it's to within the church. Invite somebody to join you in ministry service within the church. So if somebody who already goes here, invite them to do something with, to help you out with something within the church, in the life of the church. Maybe it's to small group. Maybe it's to Sunday school. Maybe it's you're a greeter at the door. You want to invite someone else to greet with you. Great. Do that. Anything within the life of the church. Maybe you're going to go out and serve on behalf of the church of transformation to take someone with you. Can we track those and be a church of invitation this year to invite people into kingdom life? Jesus says the harvesters are plentiful. The workers are few. Why would the workers be so few? It could be hard workers, perceived to be hard work. Sometimes you don't take Jesus at his word. The harvest is plentiful. Sometimes we're just afraid that people are going to say no. We're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of social awkwardness. All of those things, all valid concerns. But let me give you some encouragement about the potential of the harvest, both outside, and then that will aim us towards inside even, around us. Um, I've been reading the, the book You Found Me by Rick Richardson recently. Uh, out of the Billy Graham Center at yeah, Wheaton College. Uh, North Park grad, I don't know if I'm supposed to read stuff in Wheaton, but I did, and I've taken a, I sat under the teaching of Rick through an evangelism cohort, really enjoyed him. So I'll give you a couple things that he says that I think are encouraging about the potential of the harvest looking out. But I can also point us in. So let's just start with statistics from the Census Bureau about Lincoln. They're a few years old at this point. But this will kind of ground us in the reality and the potential that we have. <coughs> Population of Lincoln, estimated in 2017, was 284,736 people. Not going down, but going up. 
far as I can tell. Of that, and again, this is Census Bureau-derived information, 53%, so 150,910 people who qualified as unchurched. That is, the religious nuns, people who have no church affiliation whatsoever. The Census Bureau is going to make a distinction between de churched and unchurched, which matters to me, but wouldn't matter for their purposes. But we're just going to use that big bucket unchurched, nuns, no religious affiliation. That doesn't mean spiritually disinterested, it just means they're not connected to a church, they don't go to a mosque, they don't go to a synagogue, temple, nothing. But Richardson points out, I think, from very good information from their own work with Billy Graham Center and from Barna Research, that 79% of the unchurched don't mind friends discussing faith with them. Do you hear how high that is? Almost 8 in 10 don't mind, the unchurched don't mind friends discussing faith with them. They have no problem with that conversation. And then he adds this other piece to it, 71%, so an equally high number, almost the same, 71% of people of the unchurched have never had anyone personally explain how to become a Christian to them. Do you hear the two different statistics? 78%, no problem discussing faith. 71% of that same group say, nobody's ever personally told me how to become a Christian. And Richardson rightly points out, church, there's a huge opportunity a massive opportunity in that gap. And so the harvest is actually wonderful. We're, we're often told that the harvest isn't by all the different sources that we can read, uh, by all those different statistics, many of them uh, fairly misleading and not really all that useful. The harvest actually is plentiful, at least it's possible. Our response to the harvest then, and I'm not saying for our purposes, we're not simply reaching out to those who don't know Jesus Christ, although let's do it. That's who we are doing. But when it comes to invitation, I'm saying 240 people can invite them to anything within church life. Some of this population, please, yes. People within the church, please, yes, to deeper church involvement and kingdom life. But I want to just, uh, as we go forward, give you a couple pointers on how you can invite someone. Nuts and bolts, a couple simple pointers on how to invite. When you invite someone, because the harvest is plentiful, I think one of the most important things we can do is pray and pursue. As I'm preaching this morning, I've got a bunch of P words, so you can write them down these and remember. Pray and pursue. Now, we've already said that we don't need to pray for the harvest because it's already there, it's plentiful. I believe that works out in the situation we're even talking about today. And we often search for our specific call from God. That's something some of us uh, really agonize about and anguish about God. I have this specific skill set you've given me. How can I specifically use it? Can you give me a specific call? I think when Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, he's talking to us. So there's a call that we are to have that's fairly specific, as far as I can tell. And so when I say pray, I don't mean pray that there would be a harvest. I mean pray to be in connection with the Lord of the harvest, is what I mean. So that we can pursue the opportunities that the Holy Spirit gives us because the harvest is plentiful. 
But as I said, one of the things that can hold us back sometimes is that in that pursuit, and in that the reason we want to be in contact with the Lord of the harvest is sometimes we assume that people aren't going to be receptive. And I think we actually have this response sometimes in our mind. A professor I had in college, um, he was talking to me about when he was doing his, finishing his doctoral work, in, he was in Europe, he spent his time in Germany, uh, Switzerland, and then ended up in France doing all his work. And when he was in France, he had been there for a couple of years in that area, finally it was in his last couple of weeks, and was talking to someone in Paris uh, who was French, and he said, you know, in, in all this time I've been here, I've never been able to go in to see somebody's home from France, specifically from Paris. He always got the no answer. Uh, being crafty as he was, as he's talking to this acquaintance that he had, he said, you know what I think it is? I think that uh, most people have asked or embarrassed to show an American their home. <coughs> to which this uh, uh, local said, oh, no, no, we're not embarrassed to show your home. You're coming over to my home tonight to have dinner. You're going to see the inside of my home here in Paris. And so he got his invite. But most people said no to and I think that that's sometimes our operative belief about the harvest that's out there. When we speak to people about church involvement, about kingdom life, about Jesus, there's a wall, they're going to say no. And we have to use some kind of manipulative or sales tactic to figure out how to get them to say yes. I'm suggesting to you that might not be the case. And don't manipulate people anyways. Make them say yes. What I would say is we pray. Pursued so that we're ready because the harvest is there. And we're ready to take those opportunities, and sometimes even when we don't expect them. Um, I'm really delighted we have Pastor Kath here this morning from Beacon Covenant Church as we partner with Beacon. Uh, one of the things I've been trying to do uh, is talk to other pastors who have partnered or planted churches uh, within our denomination to understand what their stories are. And what are the best practices and what are some of the great joys that we can learn from? In their experience. And I was talking to one within their own conference. Um, they gave me permission to share all his stories, but I can't share them all. A bunch of really good ones. But he did say, uh, this one I can share is relevant for us this morning. <coughs> he pointed out that uh, they had planted, they averaged 1,100 on a weekly basis. Church of about 3,000 total. They planted three churches internationally and two locally. And he said, on the second church plant, uh, it was their worship pastor who felt called to plant the church. They did all the appropriate assessments and said, yep, we absolutely see this, we affirm this. And uh, the church said, we're behind you, plant this church. But they also realized in the process that uh, that worship pastor was most connected to their best musicians and some of the best leaders and some really good givers. And the church committed, we said, we're going to tie a tenth of our regular attendance to the new church plan. That's our goal, 110 people or so, to the new church plan. Go fishing, whoever's going to go. And so a number, as they, as they sent these people, a number of their best musicians, some really good leaders, some really good givers, were sent and went to this new church plan. Now, on the part of the church plan, their prayer for the parent church was, we pray that God would double your investment in us. You send 100, we pray that God will send you 200. And it was hard for them to live that reality for a while. 
But they realized and uh, God's blessing through all of it. They planted beginning in the fall. They sent beginning in the fall by the next summer. There were about 200 people that had joined them in worship. Their giving was up significantly. I'm not saying this is the way it goes every time. But they gave open-handedly. Not only that, and this is what's really relevant for us, because they've been stagnant, really, in growth for the previous two years, all of a sudden now, the growth was magnified for what the church plan was kind of church. But not only that, what this pastor said is within our own ranks, we had people sitting there who were really good musicians who had never bothered to raise their hand and say, I can play, I can sing, because all the ranks were filled. And now all of a sudden, just by looking around and asking the questions about how are we going to work with this deficit that we see on our end, people stepped up and said, we can do that. And they could do it really well. The harvest is plentiful both outside and inside the church. I believe it turns out. So we pray and pursue because some of those opportunities might be very unexpected but if we're in connection with the Lord of the harvest, we'll be able to see and take them up. Secondly, if you're inviting someone, you don't just pray and pursue, you make it personal. We're talking about the unchurched for just a moment again, 55%, so a little on half of those who are in the unchurched category would be receptive to an invitation to church by a family member. 51% from a friend. So you got a 50-50 shot to talk to somebody who's unchurched, potentially wanting to come and join you in worship. And Rick Richardson points out in his book, it is significant that the weekly worship service of the church is still the most likely entry point into the life of the church for unchurched other events are good, they work, but this is still the most effective way to bring them here, where we connect to God in prayer and worship, for people who are unchurched to connect with the Lord. When we read the text, you can see that there's urgency to the task Jesus sends the 72 on. The harvest is ready. There's, we don't have to wait for it. It's ready. Jesus says, go, and go with some speed to do this. Some people, he tells us, are going to say yes on the pathway. Some people are going to say no on the pathway. But you know what the reality is? Nobody's going to say anything if you don't ask. Sometimes you'll catch Pastor Jody or myself, when we're preaching, we'll make an invitation to know Jesus Christ at the end of the sermon. Sometimes people will take that, sometimes they won't. But nobody will accept anything if you don't ask. When it comes to inviting people, we're not, I'm not talking about cold call evangelism this morning. I'm talking about connections we already have with people. I'm talking about relationships at work, family relationships, school, team relationships. I'm talking about lunch table, kitchen table, coffee shop relationships that we have. Those people, the harvest is plentiful. And when we invite, we want to make it personal. And what that means is, if you invite someone to join us on Sunday, for instance, you don't say join us some Sunday. You say join us Sunday. I'll pick you up. I'll meet you in the parking lot so we can walk in together. Whatever it is, make it personal and as easy to walk in as possible. Uh, another one, and this you can all count on your connection card next week if you wanted to. Uh, we get guests with regularity here. One of my goals is to always invite them back to worship next week. All of you can do that too. You'll get credit for it if you do that. But can you imagine if somebody got invited back six times in a genuine way, and this was their first or second time here, what would that say about our level of care for guests? A lot. 
comes right from before us. Jesus, in verses 3 and 4, he says, Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. We already said this, there's urgency to the matter, but when we invite, I think it's important to make it present tense. So if you notice on our church website, or if you've ever picked up one of these little invite cards, we've got new ones coming on the way, by the way, that have a different picture on them. Don't fall off my hands easily. On the back, it says, join us Sunday, 10.30 a.m. It doesn't say join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Do you hear the difference? If I hand this to you, I'm inviting you Sunday, not any Sunday, right? Just like when we plan dinner, we say, let's have dinner sometime. If we didn't write it down on our schedule, when are we going to have dinner? Never. Exactly. <laughs> you make an invitation present tense. Or if you want me to get political for a moment, because I know you all did, uh, <laughs> Washington uses the, uh, the kind of rubric that there's nothing more permanent than a temporary solution, right? Make it temporary, it'll never end. It'll never happen. So we say, come to church with me this Sunday. I'll pick you up. So I say, uh, I'm running slides this Sunday. Would you come and sit with me on Wednesday and learn it? And sit with me this Sunday and learn it. We have a ministry meeting this Monday night at 7 p.m. Would you come join me? We make it present tense. We invite somebody to Sunday. <coughs> And most importantly, report. We want to report together so we can celebrate our invitation to this year. I mean, isn't that fun? Don't we want to celebrate the, the goodness that God has given us in the harvest around us? So you can see, like this week, it was on your connection card. You didn't use it probably for most of you because I didn't tell you about it. I knew you turned in before I talked about it. That's okay. But on here, you can start using it next week. I invited blank people all persons to blank event on blank date. We want to report this every week, and we'll see there's a slide that will be up here that right now has a big goose egg on it, but it says, we'll get that. There it is. <laughs> Thank you. Perfect. We don't ever want to zero on that again. This is the only zero we get to see on that. We want to see that number continue to go up. Not because we're just trying to make our quota, but because we genuinely, genuinely want people to know Jesus Christ, be a part of his kingdom, and be fully engaged in his church. Isn't that a good goal? We want to report it so we can celebrate. Why would anybody bother to be a worker if the work is hard, or at least possibly hard? If sometimes it's hard to trust that God has done before us, that Jesus has said, go, it's already ready. That we could get rejected occasionally in our invitations. Why would anybody go and do that? Verse 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They had all kinds of great things and came back with what? Joy. Even though they got rejected sometimes, the experience was absolutely worth it to do the Lord's work and take out the good news and invite people into kingdom life. They saw the power of Jesus Christ at work in what they did, and it was worth it. Jesus invites us by nature. 
And just who Jesus is, if we follow Jesus, it should be our nature as well. Church, can we invite 250 people into deeper church life this year and relationship with Jesus Christ as his people? That's my challenge to all of us as we move forward this year, 2020. At this point, I want to proceed with our third invitation, which comes from Jesus this morning, we'll go to the table. And one of the things that I want to recognize about connection is that going to the table is something that we do as God's people. Can we set the table for more people this year with these invitations? Can we pray that more people will join us at this table? There's a connection because Jesus invites, invites us to this table, and I pray that of those 240, we see more people at this table this year. Let's go to the Lord's table.